If you have your Bibles this morning, I want to open to Matthew 26. We're going to look there today. I once saw this flip calendar. It said, if you want breakfast in bed, sleep in the kitchen. (laughs) And each day offered a bit of pithy wisdom. Things like, oh, we all get heavier as we get older because there's more information in our heads. Or, confidence is the feeling you have before you really understand the situation. But one saying I saw that I seemed was appropriate for our scripture today, it was this. It may be your purpose in life to simply serve as a warning to others. See, that certainly is true for our focus today on Simon Peter. It may be your purpose in life to simply serve as a warning to others. On the night Jesus was arrested, he celebrated this final meal with his disciples. And following the meal, they sang one of those psalms and they went to the Mount of Olives and there were many in Jerusalem who were there for the Passover. And there Jesus tells his disciples that he will soon be scandalized and they will all fall away. Soon, he says, they will all abandon him. And I'm not really sure why that news startled the disciples. I mean, Jesus had told them earlier he was going to be arrested, tried, and and executed. At the meal, only hours before, he said, one of you will betray me. And they each began to wonder if they would be the one. So why did they think that that when Jesus was arrested, they would do anything else? I mean, what did they think? They would just stand stoically while men with clubs hauled Jesus away? Did they think they'd just be arrested with him? Fight for him? I mean, apparently they hadn't even thought about it until Jesus said they will, as Zechariah foretold. Scatter like sheep whose shepherd had been struck down. Now, as is usually the case, Simon Peter is the first to respond and makes this bold promise. Even if they all fall away because of you, he says, I will never fall away. You ever wonder how the other disciples felt about that? I mean, he really disrespects them there. He basically says, James, John, Andrew, all these other guys, yeah, they'll abandon you. But, but me, Simon Peter, the great fisherman, I will never do it. I won't fall away. And, and it's not just I'm not going to fall away tonight. It's I will never fall away. He says he won't deny Jesus even if it means dying with him. Such an incredible promise that Jesus warns him not to make. He even tells him before this night is over, you're going to break that promise three times. But this is Peter. Peter does not lack self-confidence. I mean, he is, after all, first among the disciples as well as the group spokesman. He's the one who hops out of the boat to walk on water, right? at least for the moment. <laughs> He's the first to confess Jesus as the Son of the living God. He's the one who rebukes Jesus for saying he would die in Jerusalem. Vows that won't happen. So Peter's promise to never fall away is just one more example of his devotion to Jesus. He believes in Him. He loves Him. He wants to be faithful and he promises to do so. And really, isn't that what all of us as followers of Jesus do? Right in our church, we have a believer's baptism. It means we baptize you when you're old enough to freely choose that you are going to confess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And that is one of the ways that we visibly express how, by God's grace, we die to sin 
and are raised to new life. But implicit in our promise is the promise to be faithful. It's our way of saying, in gratitude for your love, for your grace, Jesus, I will never fall away. Every Christian makes that promise. A promise every bit as bold as Peter's. And yet making that promise is a lot easier than keeping it, isn't it? I mean, a short while after Peter makes his promise, the mob seizes Jesus. And when it does, the prophecy is fulfilled and all the disciples left him. They all fled. Peter flees as well. He just doesn't go far. He stays close enough that he can follow the crowds to the home of Caiaphas, the high priest where the religious leaders are conducting somewhat of a preliminary hearing about Jesus. And Peter finds this safe spot in the courtyard. Close enough that he can see what's happening, but not close enough that he would catch anyone's eye. At least that's what he was hoping. But look what happens. Matthew 26, 69. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus of Galilee, she said. But he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Stands in the courtyard and a servant girl recognizes him. I mean, you might expect a scribe or, or a Pharisee to recognize Jesus, right? Um, recognize Peter. I mean, they had watched Jesus and they had watched his disciples carefully over the years and it's, it's easy to see that. Or even easy to imagine that a guard that who had been sent to arrest Jesus had seen Peter and said, hey, weren't you with him? But no. No, the first person who confronts him is a servant girl. A nobody among nobodies. You were with Jesus of Galilee, she says. I mean, if those words had come from someone in authority, you could understand why Peter would be frightened. But they come from a servant girl. Someone with absolutely no power. And yet Peter's heart must have started racing. His thoughts must have started spinning. And the only thing he could do is play dumb. I don't know what you're talking about, he says. And then he moves to a place closer to the entrance. But sadly, he finds no relief. Verse 71. He went out to the gateway where another girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. Another servant girl. Another nobody recognizes him and says to everyone standing by, this, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. And although she doesn't even address Peter, he knows he has to respond. He even does it with an oath. Now in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus told his disciples they were never to do that. Let your yes be yes and your no, no. But Peter does it anyway. Right? He swears on the stack of Bibles, right hand raised, so to speak. I don't know him. And it's interesting, he doesn't even use Jesus' name. He calls him the man. As if Jesus was a stranger to him. And you might think that at this point, Peter would try to slip into the darkness, disappear. But you've got to give him credit for staying. I mean, he promised to be faithful, and although he's been less than forthright about his relationship with Jesus, 
He still refuses to abandon him completely. Instead, he hangs around in the shadows, as near to Jesus as he can be without being noticed. (laughs) Except again, he doesn't go unnoticed. Verse 73. After a while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them, for your accent gives it away. And he began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Someone in the crowd sees him and says, You're one of them. Your accent gives you away. You know, that was a big thing in college. Accents. I mean, I went to school in southwest Missouri, and we had kids that attended our school from as far as Australia and Africa, and as close, well, as close as their parents were professors, so they lived in town. And I still remember, I was sitting in Old Testament history class, and this girl looks at me, and she says, I like your accent. (laughs) Now, now she was from somewhere in Oklahoma, and she had this big southern drawl, but, but she said, I like your accent. She, she knew I was from Chicago by the way I talked. Your accent gives you away. Once again, Peter gets put on the spot. And once again, Peter denies knowing Jesus. But, but rather than just saying that, he invokes a curse on himself. And we don't know exactly what he says, but it's the equivalent of, if I'm lying, I'm dying. Or may God strike me dead if I'm being dishonest. Now, some scholars actually suggest it may have even been worse. They say the phrase, a curse on himself, is linguistically questionable. They speculate he actually cursed Jesus. But Matthew just couldn't bring himself to say that when he wrote this gospel. But whatever the case, Peter calls down this curse on himself. And then it happens. He hears the rooster crow. Immediately, the rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the words Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. He heard the rooster crow. And he knew he failed. He failed to keep his promise to never deny Jesus. And he goes out and he weeps bitterly. You know, I imagine fear plays a part in his failure. I mean, seeing Jesus arrested, he has no reason to be anxious. But fear is only part of the problem. The real issue is his arrogance. I mean, Peter sits across from Jesus and he promises to remain faithful. And he assumes he has it within himself to do that. He arrogantly assumes that he can, under his own power, face down the powers and principalities that may come up upon him. But when the moment comes to stand for Jesus, he's weak, cowardly, fragile. And he crumbles, not under the stern gaze of great authorities, not under the lashing of inquisitors. He crumbles under people that, that really don't matter. Servant girls, strangers. And you know, I suspect that comes close to our own experiences. In our baptism, we pledge to remain faithful to Jesus and we promise to love God and to love our neighbors. We promise to live lives that reflect His love and peace and generosity and compassion. 
We promise to testify to what He has done so that others might know His grace. We pledge to be with Jesus. Right? The term Matthew used to describe this intimate relationship between the disciples and their Lord. And yet, like Peter, we find that promise hard to keep. Oh, we self-confidently assume that we can, by sheer will, remain faithful to Him. Right? But then our neighbor's late-night party disrupts our sleep and loving him or her becomes a little more impossible. Or a driver cuts us off on 231 and it's anger, not peace, that seizes control of our thoughts. Or a friend opens the door to a conversation about Jesus, but, but we play dumb, act as if we know nothing. And we do it because we're scared. But it's not fear of persecution at the hands of the government. It's not fear of ridicule by folks in the public square. It's failure under such circumstances. I mean, that might be understandable. But we are just too human. And we are weak and cowardly and fragile. Even before those who lack power or status. Even before the servant girls of our day. Fortunately, Peter's story doesn't end with him weeping in the darkness. After the resurrection, Jesus appears to the disciples on multiple occasions. The most important one for Peter takes place in Galilee. He and some others had gone back to doing the one thing they knew how to do. Fish. And he's sitting there on the seashore and Jesus says to Peter, Peter, do you love me more than these? And he says, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. And a little while later, Jesus asked him again, do you love me more than these? And Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And then he asked him a third time, do you love me? And you got to wonder if that stung a little bit. Or maybe it brought back memories of the three denials. But Peter said, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. And he goes on to explain to Peter, this is what life is going to be like. Where once he controlled his own destiny, now it's in the hands of others. Where he once went where he wanted, now others direct his path. Where once his life was his own, now it will be determined and ultimately taken by others. And then, after all of that, Jesus repeats the very first words he ever spoke to Peter. Two simple words. Follow me. I mean, those words, first spoken three years before, maybe not too far from where they were sitting on that post-Easter morning, well, they now have a different ring for Peter. Having had his humanity exposed, having been stripped of his self-confidence and lost his bravado, he now knows what it means to follow Jesus. It means trusting Him for His strength and courage and tenacity. It means trusting Him for the words to speak and the will to act. It means trusting in Christ's power rather than His own. That's why the same Peter that failed Jesus on the night of His arrest could just a few short weeks later stand before the crowds on Pentecost, empowered by the Holy Spirit, proclaim the crucified Jesus as the risen Lord. 
Yes, he's been stripped of confidence in his own strength, but now he places confidence in Christ. In your baptism, in mine, we promise to remain faithful to our Lord. And I'm sure there have been occasions in our life where we thought, yes, I did it. I did exactly what Jesus asked. But I also know for sure that there have been times where we didn't do what the Lord requires. I'm sure there have been times in which your own strength, your own courage, your own perseverance failed you. There have been times where you, like Peter, dreaded the thought of Christ's eyes meeting your own. And yet Peter is a great example that our failures are not fatal. They can be freeing. They can remind us that the Christ who gave grace to a broken Peter gives grace to us as well. They remind us that the same Christ who spoke to the big fisherman still says to us, follow me. Most of all, they remind us that that same Christ who empowered a humbled Peter empowers a humbled you and a humbled me as well. And it's in His courage and power and tenacity that you and I can find the strength to keep that promise to never fall away. Is that what you need? As we close this morning, do you need that power, that courage, that tenacity that only comes from Jesus? It only comes when you surrender your life and will over to Him. So if that's what you desire, I invite you to come. Come talk to me after service. Come by the church this week and visit with me. Make this week the week that the power of Jesus Christ changes you forever. Let's pray. God, we thank You for the lessons we can learn from Peter. We thank You that You never gave up on him. And more importantly, that You never give up on us. If we humble ourselves before You, Your power can and will do amazing things in us and through us. So Lord, help us each day to surrender our life and our will over to Yours. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.